still on tour. This weekend, the Richmond Funny Bone, September, West Nyack, Syracuse, Virginia Beach, Columbus. This week's guest, New York Times bestselling author, actor, comedian, and professional wrestler, Mick Foley. Go to BurtBurtBurt.com. I'm recording right now. You know that, right? Do it. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. That that stuff doesn't interest me, oddly right, enough. Good, like, good. I'm not the kind of guy who, here, I'm texting. Do you know who Sam Roberts is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sam Roberts found out you're coming over here, and now he's getting out of lunch with his girlfriend. To come over. To come over. Sounds good. So I'm letting him know. Uh, I'm texting. The side gate's open. Just come to the back to the man cave. I'm texting him right now to tell him. Uh I wrote excited side gate. Um, so let's. I want to talk. I, I'm dying to talk to you about wrestling and your career and stuff. But I'm really more interested in talking to you about stand up. Uh, d- uh, d- definitely, Just to tell you the truth, Bert. You know, I've talked about the other stuff. Uh, yeah. I usually have to try to weed through uh, a lot of wrestling talk just in order to get any kind of mention in, and so it's uh, really refreshing. Well, somebody who's seen the show. Well, you know, you know why. Uh, what What's fascinating in the correlation is I f- I feel like I do stand up the way you wrestled. <laughs> like I, that. Fuck it. Nose hold. No holds barred. I'm gonna really. I'm giving them everything. <laughs> and I watched you last night. And now I am a. I I I'm, I'm assuming you probably have not seen much of my work, but I am. I am by all means probably a storyteller. At heart, right. And I'm sitting in the back with Gene Pompa, who you may or may not know, a uh, great comic, okay. uh, big drinker. That's why we hang out. And uh, Gene Pompa's hitting me. And now we're critical as shit. Yeah. He's like, he's an amazing fucking storyteller. <laughs> you really have an amazing ability to tell, tell stories and weave a story. And I don't know if you're pulling it straight from your writing. Yeah, I, I did. I, I mentioned last night that uh, the show I did a year ago was kind of a breakthrough for me because I'd come out of Montreal, and I, a guy who's real instrumental helped me was the, uh, Australian comic uh, Brendan Brendan Burns. Brendan Burns. That's so funny. I saw Brendan in you. I like when you started yelling <laughs> when you got in the face of people. I was like, I, I thought two things: Sam Kinison and Brendan Burns. That is so funny because you know I probably. I don't think I started yelling in, in, at all in my show Seriously? until I met Brendan. And then Brendan had that great line, Brendan's same thing. He's, yeah. He can be pretty offensive. And when people give the kind of gasp, his, his catchphrase used to be, take it, yeah. take it, you know, yeah. <laughs> take it. And uh, so Brendan, yeah, I, he probably had a, an effect on me in that way. But uh, largely, he had an effect in that he really believed in me thought I had a chance to be really good at this. Yeah. And then when when he would listen to me do an interview about what kind of show I do, he would say, I was at that time running away from the idea of being the wrestling guy. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to talk about... I would, I would be angry if people would say, yeah, he talked 80% about wrestling, and my feeling in my head would be, no, I'm talking 30% about wrestling, but because I'm using wrestling as a jumping-off point to get to other subjects, yeah. it seems like I'm talking about wrestling. And Brendan heard me saying that to some interviewer, and he, and he comes and he goes, mate, you do a wrestling show. Yeah. I said, no, no, Brendan. I usually goes, mate, it's a wrestling show. So when we get on to, to Montreal, and I, and I start seeing the caliber of talent there, and I start going to showcases where guys are killing who I've never even seen, mm-hmm. never even heard of, I, it all of a sudden dawns on me that, wait a second, 
if people want to hear comedy about anything but wrestling, there's literally hundreds, probably thousands of better places to go. Like, I'm essentially Mick Jagger refusing to play Stones tunes on a solo tour. I have no idea if he does that or not, or if he does solo tours. That's a really fascinating analogy, yeah. And, and, but, and, you know, it's, and, and I'll say the one thing that comics, you know, that comics, uh, a pre, I think the comics appreciate about you is well, I can say the comics in the back of the room. Yeah, last night was that number one. Uh, the big misstep that a lot of people that are famous that come into the comedy business do is they roll in and they pay no respect to anyone that is a working comic, and, and it's the only business in which in which that can actually happen, and it and it and it does happen, and and in a weird way, no one notices because no one would ever become a professional wrestler and just roll in to the locker room and be like. I got it from here, guys. Well, uh, no, we do have those type of people. Oh, seriously? That's why our business is, Brendan will say, he'll say our business, they're they're so similar. But we have those those types of guys, too, who don't pay respect to the guys who may not be household names, who may not have made made, uh, a ton of money, but they they go out there and they've uh, they've learned their career, honed it, worked on it as best they could. And one thing you learn in either one of our businesses, you're not entirely... In charge of your, you know, of your destination or destiny. Yeah. In our case, it's one, you know, there's one main guy deciding whether you've got it. Hey, we got, the- we, yeah, we got the same thing. His name's Robert Hartman. <laughs> I'm joking, Robert. You know, I love you. <laughs> but I, uh, last night I was told, um, uh, uh by one by one of those the comics uh, you're talking about good guy yeah. good, good guy they told me he was very very good stand up comic and he says you know a lot of comics hate you and joking around yeah. he goes until they meet you or until they hear how seriously you take it because there's been so many bad transitions guys essentially using their time on the mic as a way to get to their merchandise stand yeah and um and uh, I'm like uh, that's why I'm 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 so excited that's why I did roll out of bed at well, an early hour to get here because I thought this is really the exactly the thing I should be doing, and uh, uh, I'll get my sleep another night. You know, you, well, I'll, you've uh, got you've got an amazing, like, can I say this? An amazing way to weave a story, and and I, I I wanted to talk to you about what I found, what I found super strong in your act. All right, thanks. like because I, I, like I went there last night and I was like I was like never would I go see another comic, but. I'm a, I'm a fan, so I was like, <laughs> I'm dying to see how he does it. You know, what was fascinating to me is uh, the back the the backstage. Okay, look, I love when you talk about the fucking Undertaker throwing you off the the uh, cage on in Madison Square Garden, wherever right. that was. I love hearing that story. I love. The way you said your dad raises, we got one rule. We only go on one stretcher at night. That is great. That is great writing. That is great stand-up. That is the way – that is a, a – a, 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 it, that and like, whose shoes are these? Those are, those are great bits. Those are great um, – great – uh, great ingredients to a great story, and you find you, you add those. You know, it's it is. If you go with the cooking analogy, you know, you may may have the same basic dish. Here's where wrestling and and comedy vary. At least when I did my prom, promos in wrestling, the promotional yeah. interviews, I really took a lot of pride in. All right, here's my promo. Boom, it's done. I won't touch that again. Yeah. Whereas in uh, comedy, you owe it to. I thought I owed it to my fans to give them different stuff every time I went out there. 
what I owe to the fans is to do the best show I possibly can, which means not taking a good story and disregarding it once you've told it well. It's to take that story, like if it is The Undertaker, and then say, okay, how do I find those new ingredients? Yeah. And the, keep the, uh, that story, uh, I'm dying to see that story in, in three years. Because that story, what you, when you, what you, what you find in, in a story and like, and is you find the parts that are taking too long to get through. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, I, I, and it, it'll be once you've told it in wrote a number of times, you go, Jesus fucking Christ. What, 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 I'm sorry I'm cursing so much. That's I right. noticed you didn't curse last night. I'm like, you know what, I need I'm to a, stop cursing. Hey, look, it, you, it's not like I, I'm offended by it. It's around me all the time. My yeah. kids, like the other uh, wrestlers, you know, there's, they're talking about their match. We always joke and say, nobody, uh, you know, drops an elbow. They drop a big effing elbow. You yeah. know, nobody... <laughs> Hey, literally, when you oh. guys talk about this match, Diamond Dallas Page, you're talking about last night. Uh, I had a dream about Diamond Dallas Page last <laughs> night. Because of you, I had all wrestling dreams. I apologize profusely for that. I dreamt about the redhead in the front row. So that's <laughs> she you're was not. slamming! Can, can I break the news? This is my... Um, she wasn't just a random person. Um, and, I, and I can't mention her on my, uh, my Twitter because it's PG and I can't have kids clicking on. But I'm guessing you're pretty much uh, I'm a 18 and up here on your audience. Yeah. I, I wonder, I just saw this. I'm not a, not a big connoisseur of the adult stuff. But I, I, there's that it factor we always talk about, whether it's she comedy, wrestling. And, it. and she had it. I saw this, this person in a little clip and I was like, who is that? Who is that? And then I... Uh, I was uh, I was in a hotel. Literally, I had less than an hour and a half. I was crashing. I had to then to go. I was doing a, a minor league baseball game in Wisconsin, and then we had to drive several hundred miles after the show. So I was literally crashing for an hour and a half. And I just say, "Let me check." And I perused through the uh, thing, and I went. I just saw her face. I went. That's that's her. What's her, do, her, name her name is Siri. S I R I. Oh, shut up. Oh, shut up. Are you shitting me? That's Siri. You know what's so funny? You said Siri last night. I follow her on Vine. She's, hila- she's hilarious. I follow her on right? Vine. That was fucking Siri? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. And I knew she dyed her hair. I had just seen yes. that she dyed her hair on Vine. Are you shitting me? I follow two porn stars on Vine, Jesse Andrews and Siri, and it's because they have something. Let me tell you something. Jesse Andrews is the one that's fascinating me. I follow her. I don't even want her to post anything naked. I want to follow her life. That's what I wish. I hope this young lady will reach out to me, and I can tell her the we all you know. She's gorgeous. She's got those great you know natural assets. God and damn you don't, it! That's I would Siri. say you don't have to be. You don't have to show so much. Yeah, you're funny. Your, your you're, vines. You're, you're are, interesting. Your vines are funny. She's very interesting. There's got to be that reason why. Uh, and 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 I, uh, you know, just wrote her a little note saying our 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 businesses are very similar in that you can teach almost anyone most of the moves that they could do to some extent. The trick is convincing people why they should be watching you do those moves, and that's where it comes down to the that it factor. I always feel a kinship with porn stars and strippers as a comic, and it's almost like a parallel move for you to go from wrestling to comedy, same hours, Oh yeah, it's same, same same lifestyle, same hazards. I don't think I'm done talking about Siri yet. If you don't, no, no, <laughs> it is. It is so similar, and that's what Brendan Brendan Burns found, and we uh, bonded. Uh, and we'll make sure we get back to our, our friend there in a second. But uh, we we did um, four uh, four four shows to warm up for our uh, our Montreal shows. We're going to be performing together. Yeah. And he let me book the shows. I don't, I don't, I don't book shows. And since Montreal, now I'm with Innovative and Joe Eschenbaugh, and everything has changed. 
But this was me calling up clubs. Hey, can, can we do a show? And I end up booking Brendan at a bar and grill on the Jersey Shore that not only does not have our name on the marquee, they have the wing special on the marquee. <laughs> As if that's not bad enough. Any insult to injury, it's the previous night's wing special. <laughs> and uh, just the night before, we'd been to Long Island. I did two shows in Long Island. It turned out two was one show too many. Like, Long Island was just fine having me other one night. Yeah. So I was a little bit hurt that in my own hometown, people weren't coming out to support me. So Brendan goes, don't take it on them, mate. And, and that's a, a wrestling thing. I remember wrestlers used to open up the door a while back. Different company. Not This is not the WWE attitude at all. Trust me. But in uh, one of the other companies, open up the door. Oh, nobody's here. I'm not giving them anything. And yeah. my feeling like, no, no. You give them everything because they're the people who paid. If you're mad at somebody, go out on the streets, yell at everybody else who didn't buy a ticket. Don't take it out on the people who, who paid the price. And that's the same type of the work ethic I try to bring to comedy. Well, you share that with more comics. I think a lot of guys <laughs> go, oh, fuck it, fuck this crowd. And I go in, I love a small crowd. Oh, small crowds like a like a like it's like having a one night stand on the road. You don't even not that I've ever done that, but but like it's like you don't even know them. It's you feel like you can't lose. They already expect you to. I love that. I love a small crowd. Yeah, and uh, there's a, almost a community feeling there. I yeah. like. I got to be double digits, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of painful if it's single digits. But uh, I, this night in question in Jersey Shore. Uh, I'd taken Brendan's advice the night before. We had a really good show, and I thanked him for the advice. And we agreed that one of the things our businesses had in common is that you'd end up bonding and having the best times at the worst gigs. And uh, the next night, we showed up at the Jersey Shore with the wing previous night's wing special on the marquee. We walk in, and people knew who I was. Mick, hey, hey, what can we get you eat? I said, no, we're, we're performing here. And the manager of the club goes, performing what? I said, Comedy because we don't we don't do comedy here. And I went well. We're we're booked, and some guy comes up. Oh no, you're up in the attic, and we go up in the the attic, and they you know, and there's there's twelve people assembled in an attic of this bar and grill, and they they've got whatever the strobe lights are flashing, which is the worst thing you can have for you know a comedy show. Yeah, and uh, we're running late, and they're about to play yeah. music. Is mate, mate, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I said, well, what about uh, not taking out the people? F them. I, I won the F and Eddie, the Edinburgh Award. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. doing it. And I said, but Brendan, think of the stories we'll tell. And they played his music and, all right, I'll do it. Okay. And he went out there and he killed. And yeah. I went out there and I think that was the night where I really started feeling comfortable. And you realize you can take these chances in front of these small crowds and sometimes it results, uh, you know, I, I always likened what I did in wrestling to, you know, being Reggie Jackson at the plate didn't matter whether I, I hit the ball out of the park or whether I missed completely. I was going to make it exciting. Yeah. You know, and so the, the difference in comedy, I think, is that when you have one of those big strikes, you don't want it captured on video. Whereas on uh, on in wrestling, you know, I made quite a good career out of moves that didn't work out the way I'd planned. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it goes back to that uh, Diamond Dallas Page you, what story you told about going for the move the second time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love that. I love that about your stand-up. Can, can I tell you, this is what I, like, ideally, like, what I, what really gleamed to me was the road stories. Thanks. The Thanks. road stories that you tell 
like like and 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 once again i, I don't want to um I, I don't want to tell too much of your stories because I want people to go see you. I, you. I want people to see you and not know what they're expecting because I think yeah. that's the best way to receive comedy. If you have a high expectation, then all of a sudden you're all, you have nothing but to be let down. There's nothing better than being a young road comic who can murder. And you go into a town and they've papered the room. I can tell you my town, my experience where I went, okay. this, I'm at my height. Toledo, Ohio. Okay. I go in. I do uh, Andrew Z's morning show. Sell out the room. All shows. No one knows to expect. They just heard me on radio, and I'm at, I'm and I'm 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 turning the corner in my comedy career. Yeah. And I just and, it, and people are like coming out like eyes open. Like how have I never heard of you? <laughs> and I want people to experience that with you. Thank you. Because because I, I'm telling you, and and we are tough judges. Of I was I was like how am I going to do this podcast if he sucks? It would have been tough, right? Yeah, we'd already committed to it. <laughs> I was like, uh, we were just talking about wrestling, <laughs> but but I love those road stories that you tell. And 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 I was like, the one thing I was going to say to you is like, I want more of them. All right, I want like I want like t- when you when like next time when you're sitting and writing, think of the ones. And I I loved it. I loved how you uh, you kind of told the names and you told it because they're all you guys are all icons. I mean, you gotta realize yeah. you're, you're guys that, as kids, we watched and we went, oh. I mean, I feel like a man every time I open a canned beer because of Steve Austin. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I felt like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought he would be there last night. That really? Was the only thing I, I asked somebody before we did the Q and A, did Steve make it? Yeah. Uh, so he he said he he said he would. It would have been nice because you know, that story we share about DDP is just a a, a classic story. I appreciate the feedback. Um, because I will, I will. I'm, I'm going to start working on some some new stories. Mind uh, the small ones, because I think the small ones, you know, the, the big ones are going to be the tent pole of your act. Yeah, and and I I would have placed the Undertaker story towards the end, maybe. Maybe I will. Maybe uh, I will only yeah. because only because it's, you know, it's 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 like you know what I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. Uh, I I'm going to do that. Uh, my next show, I'm going to give that. A, I'm going to give that a try. And just as you said that, I was because like, it's okay. a great story. And you tag you tag all the right places, and you and you, and it feels like the story you've probably worked on the most in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it was a story that I absolutely did not. I never wanted to talk about that match again. I really didn't. I uh, I felt like uh, uh, Bill Bill Murray in a never ending episode of Groundhog's Day. Where I get asked about that same match over and over, and then it really was uh, at the uh, the Hall of Fame induction. And I can give this, this line because it was out there and been out there now on TV because uh, Terry Funk with an end. Oh, by the way, I really want more Terry Funk stories. I can. I thank you. Like because because Terry Funk, ter, Terry. Funk, I I don't mean to cut you off. Please finish what you're saying. I'll, I'll try to remember what I'm thinking. Um, Terry was uh, inducted me into the Hall of Fame, and he did. He really gave a great speech. And I pointed out last night, it was funny, it was poignant, it was brief. Yeah. That's important, you know. And I, I'm guilty. I gave a very long speech. People that felt it didn't seem that long. You're up there, and it's your one moment. And there's this performer's part of me. I talked last night about dropping the elbow on on CM Punk on stage. It's a great story. It's a, and it, that one, and, and, that one and, and talking about what what was the one where the was that the one with the thumbtacks or is that Shawn Michaels? The, th- the thumb yeah, the thumbtacks and, yeah. uh, t- and closing the eye and yeah. doing the uh, risk reward ratio analysis. Great. <laughs> um but the uh, the uh, under when Terry Funk was giving his inductions inducting me with his speech, he said the uh, undertaker said something to him when I went through the cell. I was unconscious. And I talked last night about the irony of being involved in the, the fake sport 
which also happens to be the only sport that continues when one of the guys is no longer conscious. <laughs> yeah. And that would be different now. You know, they would stop that match, no doubt, and people wouldn't be talking about that match a month later, let alone 15 years later. And I'd seen it probably 50 times. And I'd seen that The Undertaker said something to Terry Funk. And I never knew what it was. I never wondered because it was almost said just casually. And what he said, when Funk said it, sent a chill down my spine. The Undertaker walked by Terry Funk and said, See if he's alive. <laughs> See, it's just so surreal, you know. Yeah. And you got guys, on, you know, your guys unconscious. We're doing the fake sport. We're trying to buy some time until <laughs> I maybe come around. And so Funk actually goes over there and he comes back with an answer. He goes, "He's still breathing." <laughs> and that's where you know, hey, what do we do? We buy him some time. He gives uh, Terry Funk the choke slam. In the process, Terry's shoes come off, and that was my first feeling when I came when I returned to consciousness. I looked down and I go, "What are those shoes doing there?" <laughs> and it was so it's, it was just like surreal. And what I loved about it, what I love about telling the stories, and what I love about going up there is that you, our our friend Siri was not a wrestling fan. She was invited because a good friend of mine. Uh, Nikki Hunter um, invited her, found out. I, I asked Nikki, I said, have you ever heard? I'm, all the years I've known Nikki, and I really do have that policy. If somebody's my friend, I won't watch them. Yeah. But as much as I love Santa Claus, I believe I like the grandfather clause even yeah. better yeah. because I'm grandfathering Siri in. And I, and I told her, I said, I, I, do, I, don't, I even went two years without watching Christy Canyon after I met her out of respect for the friendship. I said, I don't care if we get to be best friends. I'm not going to stop watching. Like, you and, I and I told her, I made a serious commitment. I, I'm going monogamous. Uh, <laughs> going, going monogamous. I'm making that commitment on your show. This is breaking news. Wow. Monogamous. Uh, Siri, if you're listening, yeah. this is real talk. This is real talk. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, uh, you know, Siri what? porn star dot, um, it's Siri, Siri, trip, star Siri at, triple X on Vine. But but then her Twitter is at Siri Pornstar at Siri Pornstar and so yeah I I suggest to be you know people check her out she's very very funny you can say you you get that sense that's what I need is that sense of warmth and a real person there uh, and and there's obviously something for everyone she might not be for everyone but when uh, I saw her I was like who is this woman and where can I see more of her yeah and you could see her. On Triple X Vine? Well, it's Siri Triple X on Vine. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's, yeah, I'm, I follow her. Um, what, <clears throat> now, you know what else I wanted to, to hear about in this show? Is I wanted to hear about the Japanese days. Because um, as a, as, as a wrestling fan, yeah, uh, and I say that casually, like I couldn't tell you, uh, you know, anything that someone that really, like Sam Roberts will be, stop in and he'll, I'm sure he'll have like three really great questions yeah, yeah. and we'll be like, perfect. That's the wrestling portion. Yes. But like, but as a stand up fan and, and as a internet fan, uh, I was, I got hooked on the dudes who went to Japan. Yeah. Because Japan seemed to be the, fu the bar gig for comics. It seemed to be <laughs> the bar gig where you're like, it's good money. Uh, yeah. It's not going to get you famous, right. but it, but they really they'll buy good merch, you know. Like oh yeah, you made more money off your merch and uh, the stuff that I did um, was uh, was it was the, the, what they was known as death, death match wrestling. I mean, it was uh, my, my wife was watching some of it and. I mean, you're getting a reaction from a 42-year-old woman that's given birth to two children, and she's like, oh, my God, those are real thumbtacks. That's a, that's a barbed wire baseball bat? 
blood. And my, I'm, 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 I literally had to tell my kids, no, baby, that's fake blood. And they're like, how do they get all that fake blood in there? Yeah, I wish somebody had, you know, I wish there was some concoction. Uh, but we, uh, they, you know what, there's that, that culture. I, I, I wrote in, uh, I think, my last book, I think it has something to do with the, uh, with uh, the, 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 the deterioration or the total uh, decomposition, whatever the word may appropriate word may be, of the Japanese military following their defeat World War Two. Same thing with Germany. Warrior, but more so in Japan, you had the thousands of years of warrior ethos, you know, and yeah. the, you know, the the samurai, and all of a sudden now they've been humbled. You need the is. This ethos has been part of the culture for thousands of years, and it's like, okay, where does it rear its head? And in some ways, it rears its head, like uh, you know, they were on, and they were on top of MMA. You know, MMA was huge over there before, it, while well, while it was dying over here at yeah. that little period, ninety six through ninety eight, where it's hot. Then they changed the rules; they banned it in many states. It was got caught on fire in Japan, and unfortunately, when that caught on fire, it hurt the pro wrestling business. But when I was in Japan. In uh, early 19, uh, 1991, I did the one tour for the most uh, traditional group. How old were you? I was in uh, 91. I was 20, 25, 26. Okay. okay. But when I returned in 95, um, I, I, I returned specifically because Terry Funk had made the jump to IWA Wrestling, which is this real extreme. They do. I mean, they refer to it as death death. Deathmatch wrestling, because it usually nobody dies. Yeah, but we come close, except for upon yeah. Eric once. <laughs> What's that? I, oh, no, oh, don't go there. <laughs> no, no. Okay, yeah, sorry. That was, uh, different. That was you know no. I'm talking in the ring. It's you know you you come home in some rough shape, and yeah. my, my my wife used to just cringe when I'd come home, and like the skin would be falling off me. But um, I mean, not not skin like I lost weight because I've been burned. No, off yeah, me. yeah. Just, I mean, I went and, uh, you know, after one of these barbed bar matches and I went to a doctor and I had so many lacerations in my hands. Uh, and the guy was like, I've heard about things like this after prison breaks, but I've never, I've never seen anything like this. Like just so many, yeah, you know, so many injuries. But there was this sense that, A, I was a father with two kids and a mortgage. There was also a sense that it was really respected over there, that yeah. no one was looking at you like you were an animal in a, in a circus. But also, I realized that when WWE played a little clip uh, in building up my return match with Randy Orton in 2004, they showed a clip of me wrapping my arm in barbed wire. We had a, a Canadian wrestler named uh, Rick Patterson who gave a, a Japanese wrestler, Shoji Nakamaki, a backbreaker, had him draped over his uh, knee, and I came off the ring apron with the elbow across the throat of Nakamaki with the barbed wire. And I took care of him. I came across, you know, yeah, yeah, sternum. Yeah. And then when I look up at that camera and I give the bang, bang, I had to accept, like I stopped it and I just looked at it. And now it's 2004. Now I have four kids and, and I think I'm a, a fairly, you know, respect, you know, like gentle guy, right? Yeah. Feel that to be an accurate word to describe me. And I look at that and I go, you cannot fake that look of utter joy. Like <laughs> I may have told myself. That there was uh, you're living the dream. You're in uh, Japan. You know what? <laughs> At those moments, yeah, you do that. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, and you can't, you can't, you can't fake that. I, not to jump from Siri porn star to Jesse on Disney, yeah. but I had a chance to take my kids to uh, a Jesse taping yeah. and uh, talking to, to this very nice woman hey, afterwards. Jesse. Hey, hey Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. yeah, Debbie Ryan. Yeah, 2.4 million followers. So we put out a little picture. 
And uh, they'd given me three scripts to have signed, you know, and, and my kid, I said, well, we only need one. And there's a little kid yeah. going, could I have one? So we gave away two of our three scripts. And then the woman, uh, we're talking, he goes, well, that's very nice of you. And I said, oh, thanks you. She goes, I'm, I'm Debbie's mom. So it's Jesse's mom that we've been talking yeah. to. Had no idea. And here are these little acts of kindness. And I was talking to her and I said this similar thing. I said, you know something you can't teach? You can't teach can't teach likability you can't teach kindness and that's what shines through you know in your uh, in your daughter and i guess my clumsy segue is to say that uh, uh you know hopefully that's what comes through that's what it's important to me that when i'm up there on the stage even though it's only a small minority of people who are not going to be familiar with me that they feel like I'm, um, you know, like they're in a in a welcoming atmosphere. But we just feel like we're getting to. I, I, I last night, I think we just felt like we were getting to hear some stories, like some stories from behind the scenes, and some stories that maybe we hadn't seen that angle on before. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it, you don't you don't come off you don't you come off like um uh you don't come off like uh like famous. I hope you. I like that. I appreciate you. Don't that. come yeah, off famous. Yeah. You come off extremely relatable, like almost like uh like. Like you stump like uh, King Ralph, like you stumbled into it, and you're up there, and you're just being extremely yourself. <laughs> like you, there's only one speed. I was gonna say last night, or with a like, definitely. Uh, if you ever uh, get the passion for writing one-liners, you know, bang bang is a great catchphrase. I mean, and and that you know what? That's a perfect idea. Yeah, like I, like know. it's like that. Oh, 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 like back in the eighties, it was a joke. I mean, I remember me and Tom Segura used to joke around. Tom Segura's a great comic. But we used to joke around when we were on stage and pray, and we'd always say like, uh, "We we wish we had like one of those great eighties catchphrases." Where and mine was "Pow, pow, bring it, bring it." Or uh, at one point, it was "Eat pusser." And so. <laughs> And so, like, but you'd say a joke, like, uh, I took a shit so big, I had to wipe my legs. Eat pusser. Like, and, and the, the, uh, the ridiculousness of the catchphrase made the joke that much better. But if you just bang out 10 one-liners right after uh, another, yeah, yeah. I've had, I've been to the hospital so much, you know, like just those, you know, like those set up punch, set up punch, and, bang, bang. And you just keep and build the bang, bang. I will try that. I will try. As you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not traditionally a punchline guy. Yeah. I, 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 they're easy to write. They're, they're, they're easy to write. Uh, like if you just do uh, like, you know, one thing, uh, like, uh, like uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm nervous to, to start throwing jokes your way on a podcast because everyone's like, "Do not listen to Bert." But like, uh, just like you know, just hit the the topics that are the you know the, uh, right, the benchmarks. Yeah. And is anyone listening? Come on, like bang bang. What is a guy? There, uh, every time I see Brendan, he puts on a, a a YouTube clip of a guy doing a parody of bad comics where he actually he has no material. Yeah. It's all filler. It's all right. Hey, I did not get the memo here. Come on. Yeah. He does 10 minutes of nothing, but are yeah. you kidding me with that? And yeah. There's actually no material at all. And some people just sit there like he did with stone faced and other people who are in on it is like, this is, you could almost take the angle of like, listen guys, what we're, cause you, at the front you, you, which you did very nicely. You prefaced how the show's going to work. Cause you have to yes. literally the first guy that went up, by the way, was very funny. I don't know his name, but he was very funny. He's a, uh, he was uh, yeah, the host. And he was very they, funny and he yeah. knew his stuff and, uh, about wrestling. Yeah. And, but when he went up, 
they were whipped into a frenzy. I mean, just fully. Full. So by the time you get up, you're like, listen, here's how it's going to work. You've heard these stories. Yeah. Don't call out the punchlines. Like these are, I'm telling you them. I know you know them. But let and and you have to because they're rabid fans. Yeah, the rabid and, fans. And I understand that. I, when people ask me about hecklers, I don't really get hecklers. I mean, I did a little bit in uh, the UK just with the alcohol content. Yeah. On, you know, on, on Fridays and Saturdays, but I realized these are overzealous fans. Maybe they've had a little bit too much to drink. And it reminded me of when I had gotten a pre-release of a Steve Earle CD and I knew the words before anyone else did. And yeah. so I was standing there. I think it was in Atlanta where you can walk forward. I was a big Steve Earle fan. And I wanted him to know that I knew the words. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the way some of these guys feel. Like, I want Mick to know that I know. On a sublim, they're not consciously thinking that. So they'll yell out, cookies. And yeah. they're like, no, 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 we're going to... We're gonna get there, and yeah. I'm, I and I admit I'm borrowing and twisting a, a little story that Amy Schumer said, where she says we all know how that the ending to that you know the born story yeah and and so I'll say you wouldn't say to your buddies hey I've seen this one yeah I know how it ends yeah. you know, there's this white stuff. I liked I liked your I liked your uh, your thing. He's gonna throw the bucket of water on her. That was a great <laughs> Wizard of Oz. And you know what? This well, was this, so funny because I did not expect you dropping a Wizard of Oz reference. Well, I used to do ten minutes on the Wizard of Oz, and then I realized, okay, people don't want to hear me do ten minutes of the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> but I can take little things from that ten minutes and try to work it into the wrestling. But you uh, could you could do it in the way like you could do it in the way like when you're doing your preface and you say, "Listen, guys, we're going to be telling stories." I'm not. You, you mentioned you're like I'm not. I'm not a traditional stand-up comic, and it would be great if you're like, "I'm not going to be up here like I've been to the hospital so much." <laughs> bang bang, that would be <laughs> yeah, that yeah, could yeah. kill. That's where you, I, yeah. I, I'm going to work then, on that, and then. <laughs> And then you can pepper those in, and they will be huge laughs because you know. And it's like, <laughs> I love that. You know, it's time to get out of wrestling. When I'll say, this is not what you're going to hear. Yeah. I proceed to give them about three or four of them. Bang, yeah, yeah, bang, bang, uh, and they just can't make the because the. I mean, the bang, bang is you know. I mean, come on. It's like, how do you come up with something like that? That had to be just an accident, right? Yeah, it was a complete accident. Um, I uh, I was wrestling in um, I'm trying to remember it was Raleigh or Greensboro, North Carolina, and at that time in uh, late 1989, um, I I'd been wrestling for four years and uh, was creating a little bit of a buzz for myself, and um, uh, an old an old school wrestler named Kevin Sullivan came up to me before I had wrestled the Steiners. In- Is he from Florida? Yeah, Kevin's from Florida. Yeah. He's one of the great you know. He like, wrestled characters. with I want to say wrestled with. Mike Graham? Oh yeah, yeah, he sure did. And yeah, I was uh, Mike Graham's kids went to my school. Oh, Sam P- Primetime Roberts. Yeah, Mike Mike Graham's kids went to my. I, I knew them in high, growing up. Florida's Florida. I grew up in Tampa, so Florida's a very yeah, yeah. small yeah. wrestling oh, yeah. community, and it's beloved there. And the the most important accolade of the attribute that a wrestler had in Florida in those days was that Sam day. grab a mic grab that mic I think it's on Sam just walked in with his beautiful yes. much better looking girlfriend than him uh, Sam yes. you know Mick correct Sam yes. has officially outkicked his coverage yes. that's what we have in common so we're talking about we were talking about uh, how he came up with Bang Bang okay going to Florida wrestling Florida Tampa was a, um, a territory back when there were wrestling territories where guys the most important attribute you had was not your in ring work most important attribute was can you get in fights and bars and win because that's how they got free press a police blotter was their best friend in tampa really so you wouldn't get booked in tampa if you were an artist who couldn't actually go out there 
and and the worst thing in the world is for a wrestler to go out to a bar and and lose a fight. So they made sure that the guys they booked would never lose fights. And and the I mean it sounds cruel and all you know some of these things guys did, but some guys would say, yeah, I want to learn to wrestle. Okay, come down here, meet me in the gym, and then they would say, okay, get down the referee position. And now, and we get down the referee position. The guy would drop a knee on the back of his ankle, shatter his ankle, and now you got a guy walking around in a cast for six months, six weeks. And they say, "How did that happen?" I was wrestling. It was really important at that time, especially in a smaller market like Florida. It sounds barbaric, you know, no, yeah. to me. You know, some of the things guys did to protect the business. I'm glad now. And Dolph Ziggler and I were talking about this after our show. Dolph Ziggler's gorgeous. Dolph, Dolph's amazing. I'm <laughs> he, glad he's that we're gorgeous. He's a good-looking man. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's gorgeous. Yeah. I, like I, I, there was, I, like I would never bring him on stage ever again because I just kept staring at his jawline. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ! I was like, he looks ripped in that shirt, and I can't even see his body. <laughs> Into the mic, Sam. You're a professional. Um, I, I was going. I went way off. Well, what, what have we been talking uh, about? Uh, just real quick, we'll pitch. Oh, Kevin. Oh yeah, Kevin Sullivan and and uh, my first stay in uh, WCW, where I'm going to wrestle the Steiners, get into the uh, evolution of Bang Bang, and I see my name up there against the Steiners, and the Steiners just devoured people, Rick and Scott Steiner, like, and I, somebody walks up and goes, "Hey, what's your finish?" And I went, "Finish? Like, I don't even anticipate getting a move in. Like, these guys are going to kill me." Yeah, and and then Kevin goes, "Brother," he turns me, you get that. He's, no, I sounded like Snooker. I'm going for New England. I came up with PG and said, hey, no, do it. I'm, make it just turn it into a pirate, brother. I, I said I, I drop an elbow. He goes, you drop an elbow for your finish. And luckily, Jim Cornette was there. And he goes, Kevin, you got to see this damnest thing you've ever. He's not exactly Mickey Mouse, but he got a high voice. Yeah, he goes flying off that ring apron with the elbow, damnest thing you've ever seen. Kevin looks at me real seriously because he knows I'm going to take a beating out there. And he goes, brother. I don't care what Ricky or Scotty do to you during that match. At the end of your match, I want you to turn on your partner and drop that elbow on him. So I became the guy, and no one's ever gone and done this. This was this was 20 years ago. I mean, 23 years ago, the guy turning on his partner, getting over by losing matches, and then beating up his partner has not, not been done since then. And the first night I did it, Center Stage Theater, I put the guy out there, backbreaker. I put him out there on the floor. I get up on the ring apron, and I thought, Dear God, I will never make it. This is the farthest anyone's ever been away from me. You know, there's, there's no way physically, the physically limited guy, there's no way I can make it. He was at least 15 feet out there. And I went, just, just said a little prayer, and it was my first real national TV exposure in any type of significant role, and I got him with enough. I mean, I got there was more like a flying arm and wrist. Yeah. But uh, but I got him, and that became what the thing that I would do after my matches. And so I think it was like the third or fourth time uh, I dropped an elbow on Nasty Ned Brady. Not quite the 15-foot range, but he was a ways out there. The guy and from I, Deliverance? No, no, oh, that's no, Ned, that, Ned, Ned Beatty. Beatty. Yeah, Ned Beatty. <laughs> and that's exactly how he wants to be remembered, as the guy from Deliverance. Uh, <laughs> I actually mentioned in one of my books, I said, you know, I think there's weird, I guess there's worse things you can be remembered for than, than one specific match. Just ask my friend Ned Beatty. Uh, and you hope that whoever gets it, gets it. And if they don't, you don't mind. But at that time, 89, that song Love Shack was pretty big. And I just The only impression down. I ever learned how to do. Love Shack, baby! I Great looked impression. down and I did the, ba- the bang, bang. You could actually hear me on the new DVD. I said, bang, bang, bang. On the door, baby. Oh, shut the fuck up! <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Oh, God! That's, that's like closure right there. 
That's like your dad that's saying he great, loves you right? on his deathbed. Like learning that it came from the B-52s, like that's all you needed? Yeah, that's all I needed. <laughs> it's full circle. It's all everything you love. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen Mick do stand-up yet? Yeah, I saw him do it at uh, Caroline's about a month. Well, I saw him do it like a few years ago when he was like first starting. Yeah. And then I saw him do it uh, at Caroline's like a month ago. And he's great. And what well, I took away, I always bring my wife to like wrestling-related stuff to get her opinion on it because she doesn't like wrestling yeah and i know it was successful because he's telling wrestling stories so all the wrestling fans are into it but like jess was into it too you know what i mean he does it in a way that's not inside yeah and although although i like stories i like the inside i love the little inside things you did like you were talking about uh right after you got knocked unconscious by i think the undertaker and he's got your hand and normally you'd sell it or whatever yeah i love I love that little stuff. Like when yeah. you said, "I'm going, I'm ta- I'm going over on this guy." The heel, I turned heel. Like I love the jargon, and I think the jargon helps sell it to non wrestling fans. If that makes sense, it does. It does. I try to explain certain things, but I think there is a charm to the to to the language, and we all t- I, we all talk about it. You know, we we mention it. We we do wrestle speak without even realizing it. You know, you know, say. Yeah, putting you over. What's the what's the term I always hear on Ron and Fez about uh, the guy a jobber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A jobber is a guy who specifically paid. You know, some people thought that you know my role. I was kind of kind of like a a really really. Good, I made a good living out of losing, and to the point where I didn't even realize it until the DVD was out. But it comes to my greatest hits and mits, greatest hits and misses. I call it greatest hits and misses because there were a couple on there that were just disastrous that got picked anyway. The Sandman match where the see, Sandman, uh, well, he was a he was a tough dude. We had good matches, but this is a Texas death match where you can pin a guy, but it, you you can get as many pinfalls. It doesn't matter how many pinfalls you gain. The guy's got to stay down for a count of ten. And uh, at the ECW arena, <laughs> the fans were real big on. They would go to this little dollar store and they would hand you these little items and cheap little frying pans. And I thought someone was handing me a dollar frying pan. And by the time I realized it was a cast iron skillet, (laughs) it was just too late, you know? That thing just thonked off the Sandman's head, and, and, like, and he was he was gone. <laughs> and he was saying in the ring, he was, "I have no idea where I am." And I'm literally like trying to t- talk to him in paragraphs. Yeah. And then I will lay out. This is what you do. I tell him, boom, boom, boom. And he goes back. Goes, I can't remember what you said. And now I'm trying to. It'd be different if it was just. You know, I pinned the guy, but I must have pinned him 17 times, and I'm waiting for the 10 count. He keeps getting up, yeah. and I'm like, "How many times can I beat this guy?" It was the most horrific thing, and it was on my. It was, they, they picked it, and I was like, "You can't have this." This is a, one of the worst matches I was ever in. I was like, "You know what? People should see the highs and lows. Well, They'll call it greatest hits and misses." <laughs> And I actually am the only guy who will ever have a Greatest Hits DVD package with a losing record on my own DVD. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like all my great me to my great matches were ones. I was like the Robert E. Lee of uh, <laughs> wrestling. I was like magnificent in defeat. You know, uh, it's like that story you told. I saw the I saw the uh, the the Netflix DVD uh, video. Yeah, and yeah. you talk about hitting people with shovels. You're like, I thought more people were coming out. I did, yeah. You want me to tell the story? Yeah, uh, yeah. This, yeah, man. This, this is a story. I, I told this in Kansas City because Harley races from Kansas City. It's my big chance to become a babyface, a good guy. You only get that one chance. I mean, you could do it over and over again, but really get that one big chance. And I was supposed to come out of the crowd and hit Vader, who was the most impressive, monstrous 
uh, wrestler of his era. I was going to hit him with a, a scoop shovel. And I was in the back, and I'm like, I like practicing on a wall. Like I don't remember Dominic Danucci ever teaching us. Now, my boy, I use a shovel, you know. Yeah. Trying to do it so I can do it flat on him. Trying to figure, out, okay, how am I going to kind of like, you know, not follow through so I don't hurt the guy too bad? And then uh, Harley Race comes by, old grizzled veteran, has as much, much respect, carries as much respect as anybody in the business ever has, and he just looks at me, he goes, "If you don't hit him." I'll come back here and hit you. I mean, <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Race. And so Vader was the guy who, you know, his thing was, I feel no pain. I feel no pain. He goes, I feel no pain. And you just hear the whack. And he went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I had that fear of Harley in me. And they had literally, they had like eight guys lined up supposed to come out and feed, you know. I mean, I hit, I hit Harley. I hit Paul Orndorff. Vader was jumping around. Ah! Oh, he's still yelling. <laughs> Completely kill his gimmick, and like only two guys out of like the eight came out. And when I when I came back, I said, "I thought more people were gonna be out there." He said, "They just took off. They just saw it and they went, no, we're not getting paid enough for this, man." So <laughs> when you hit Sandman with a cast iron skillet, is that something that like, you have to go back and apologize for? Like I, I thought it was a dollar store fry. I did, and you know we had this conversation because I, I didn't realize. That the Sandman was hammered in all our matches until <laughs> later on. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty disrespectful, you know. I mean, yeah. and, and and I remember I I thought I was taking a bold stand by saying, "No, I'm not going to wrestle a guy who's drinking," and that made me like the scumbag of the ECW. <laughs> draft. Like, what does he think he is? <laughs> How can he do that to the Sandman? So, I did the narc. I get on the you know on the phone with Sandman. We're trying to hash this thing out, and I said, "Listen, man, that's irresponsible." Hey, brother, it was you who put me in the hospital in the cast iron skillet. And I was like, uh, that's an excellent point. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. So I did I did feel bad about that. I love that. I love you know what I, I love knowing. A, do you need to make a call? I know. I'm, I'm contacting our friend to see if uh, or is this a live format? Yeah, you can. T- no, the this con- it's a podcast. You Does do whatever the hell you want to call in if she wants to. Who? Siri? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, let me see if she wants to call in. Oh, so yeah. Go ahead and talk to Sam. So wait, right? so um, what what I love about uh, what Mick was doing last night, and what I like, I, I keep saying what I want to see more of, but I'm saying it not from a wrestling fan, although I probably know a little bit about wrestling, mm-hmm. more than maybe the average fan. But I, like he was talking about uh, um, uh, being up against, uh, uh, like being up against um, a turnbuckle and the thoughts that were going through his head and like the conversations. I didn't know wrestlers talk during a match. It blew my mind when I first found that out. I remember, and it was like one of those things where it was like exposing that wrestling was predetermined way after everybody knew that. Like UPN nine, when I was in a kid, was doing a news report where they took like a Bob Backlund match. And they turned the volume way up, and you could hear Bob Backlund like talking to his opponent, going, "I'm going to whip you against the ropes, and then I'm going to close on you." But like the news was broadcasting it, like oh, like yeah. like it's news. Like, look at this we've exposed. Yeah, no one- exposed it. You know, and there are other guys. Like when I was in Japan, um, oh, let me just have the uh, some punch the number in for me, Bert, while we're uh, talking. Oh, sure. Um, I don't know my own number. There were um, there were times in Japan where where you're like, wrestling guys you haven't seen until you get into the ring, and uh, and you haven't you can't even speak their language, and so you have to try to put a match together without any type of uh, you know verbal 
<laughs> verbal exchanges at all. And everybody's got their own style, you know. Yeah. I remember going to Japan one time, and this guy had an entire match listed out from A to Z. And I was a guy that was strictly against that type of format. You know, you make it up as you go. And then I looked at this guy's match, and I went, looks like a good match. You know? <laughs> it looks like a good match. So we did it that way. Here, I've just typed my number in. All right, and it, if, worked, and it worked out really just well. Just send. And we'll see if we can't get a response. Yeah, how do you wrestle someone who doesn't speak English? You just, you know, you do it by feel, and you hope that they're, they're you know, that's, that's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's like improv is com- compared to you doing a set. You know, and 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 in most cases, I I think in comedy, you know, it's a combination of both where yeah. things work best. You know, if you're improv, you know, with your 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 fans, and I love finding that that one. Sam seen me, you know, I'll find the one person, and it's it's usually a lady who's not a fan, and you can see them during the course of the show. They they are enjoying themselves to the extent they didn't think they would. But I'll have someone be there that I can play off of, like that, so that I have that line about the buried alive match, and then I'll <laughs> yeah. turn and go, "Yes, we do that type of thing in WWE." Yeah, <laughs> just little things so that you can have that one person, you know, or a few people to play off of, uh, and and they do, they find they yeah, they find themselves enjoying it more than they ever counted on. Right, like like uh, earlier this weekend, they did a like a panel of wrestlers that Mick was on, and it was to promote like the video game. But Ric Flair was there. Let's not talk bad. Wait, you know what, Sam? This is territory we don't want to get into. This is Why is that? Only because this is not an. It's not I'm, officially. I, sanctioned, I made the maybe. call when Bert when Bert showed up. I made the call that this was probably the best thing, you know, from a comedy standpoint to have a guy with Bert's credibility who's come to the show, who's seen it. So it's not an officially approved WWE gotcha. interview. And that was, you know, the shaky. What, yeah, God, I, you're good. What, you're so smart. good. You're so good. I would, I would have totally. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's tempting to talk about it. No, but that was where I'll tell you. Know what I tell you? What it did. Um, what I took from that is that panel kind of went awry, and so what I did. Um, I'll admit to you here, predetermined. I did. I just. I asked the young lady um, Siri if she would ask a last a last question and uh and just uh, use the word regret in it and what was nice about it was if you, you you saw her like she may have known a little bit about what the question was but unless she's the greatest actress in the world she meant every word of what she was saying like yeah. she got a, a definite feeling and and saw that i had trouble moving around legitimately wanted to know you know dude i have you know, regrets looking back on the career, there were things I wish I, I, I hadn't done. And that allowed me to then take a serious subject and turn it into something completely ridiculous. And at least, but then I knew I had my out so that, um, you know, my show, I could bring it home the way I wanted to, as opposed to going, okay, last question. And then have someone ask something that has no potential for humor at all. Yeah. And you go, Okay, thank you. And if you've essentially then just done a really good wrestling match with a count out finish, you know, yeah. people go, oh, that was great. It's, uh, I'll tell you, I'm going to do a ridiculous analogy that's going to make Sam laugh. So, in my physicality of a career, on Bert the Conqueror, <laughs> there's one thing I regret doing because I know it hurt my back, and I know it hurt my back forever. Yeah. And it was a home homemade backyard slide, uh, <laughs> and I messed my back up. Uh, and then the next day, I did a wooden roller coaster. Uh, 
the things that Mick Foley has put his body through. Well, like, hey, yeah, one time I was on this roller coaster. Listen, it really shook me up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet you at least halfway <laughs> with one of the worst injuries I ever suffered was on the on the set of on the set of Warren the Ape, which was a tremendous show and maybe the most fun I'd ever had doing a uh, doing, doing a. Uh, Doing a, a guest a guest spot. Warren is he was this amazingly talented actor. I wish I knew his name. I wish I remember the director's name. Warren the Ape on MTV. Uh, I, I got to tell you, for everyone who loved Ted, which was an amazing movie, yeah, go watch Warren and see if Ted may not have borrowed the idea of the, really? the alcoholic sex. You know, the puppet. I pitched a TV show called The White Gorilla about a gorilla who was an alcoholic, like inappropriate. It was Ted, but it was like uh, I was probably like. Five years ago, Maybe. seven years ago. But this, I'm sure I probably saw Warren the Ape drunk Warren. one night. We had a great uh, – my manager sends me this thing. It was supposed to be a great show. And I get it, and there's hardly any script. I said, well, what am I going to do with that? He says, with all the lead actor, he mainly just improvs. And I, Who's the actor? I, I wish we, we could look him up. I'll look it up. He was he amazing. What he'd do, he was, he'd lie down on a gurney. And he had uh, uh, a couple of mirrors, almost like a, a telescope, that would allow him to see out of the uh, oh, character. Sh- so it's like a puppet. Uh, yeah, he's a puppet. And you, after spending a little bit of time with him, you actually start talking to the puppet, even during the breaks. And I remember um, we did a, a scene where we're bonding over our anger issues. Uh, and Warren apparently had this a gentleman's establishment where we hang out and look at the ladies. But we were so caught up in all our stories of terrible things we'd done to other people that we were really bonding and this poor lady you know and she's you know trying to take a dollar he's like stop that what type of establishment allows people to take money was it drew pinsky no, no. Doctor Drew was on War in the Ape. Doctor Drew, he played himself. Okay, he, he was he was his analyst. What a what a, was what an a diverse character. What a talent. <laughs> anyway, the the guy was the guy was great, uh, but we ended up golfing and uh, the the I hit it through a giant hamster. And just the ball through a giant hamster doesn't come through. It doesn't come out the other end. So you literally have me now taking the golf club and trying to poke it up the rear end of this fiberglass huge <laughs> hamster and they told me like make sure you don't do anything to hamsters fiberglass it's liable to fall apart he goes we, but we want you to get angry what can you do to it you know what well, you hit it with a chair and i said well how flimsy is it is it it's ready to go and i said how about I just drop an elbow on this thing it's shatter it yeah and they went okay and i get that old you know foley thing in my mind <laughs> and i come and i you know i i you know i'm trying poking the, the stick up the up the hamster's butt trying to get the golf ball and I you know I get angry I drop the elbow I get the running start and I hit this thing and my whole body just goes and it literally bounces me off this thing and I and and everything I've been through I and I'm lying on the ground at the cast of war and the ape and I'm and you know I don't curse right yeah I'm cursing. Oh God damn it! Oh, 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 just everything is just. Um, it's horrible. It hurt me for weeks, and they felt so bad that this thing is built a little firmer than they had led me to believe. Yeah. And then the director comes over and he goes, "Don't worry, none of this will make the air." And I said, "I'm a wrestler. This is the type of stuff we really want on the air. Like, you know, like if you got it, if you got it, you know, go ahead and use it. But that messed me up for weeks. So I know what you're like. It's it's not it's uh, it's not always that. Uh, oh, I got really hurt visual. on a slip and slide. <laughs> yeah, I broke my ribs. 
on a slip and slide because I was doing a promo when I was on the slip and slide. And I thought it was I just had done it when I was a kid, so I figured I could do it. But with like an extra hundred and twenty pounds on my body, yeah. I cracked my ribs. I just you, went, like you just jumped. I down. dove way too hard yeah, yeah. and and cracked my ribs. What did you have on your back? What? Oh. What? What did you, we show extra an extra hundred twenty pounds? Yeah, well, like, well, no, just oh, being much fat. bigger than being fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, from when the last time I did it, I was probably like one hundred and fifty. You know, I guess one hundred twenty is odd, but an extra hundred pounds. You know, yeah, I was like two forty yeah. probably when that went happened, <laughs> and I just cracked my ribs. And I was so like, so when you're sliding down the uh, slip and slide, can you see on your face that? Yeah, Ugh. yeah. It. Bro- I've broken my ribs a bunch, and every time I break them, I go that I can I know it, and it makes yeah. me angry because I know the recuperation time. Long time. Uh, the second I the second I do it, I go. Damn it! I just did that to myself. I broke my rib. I broke my ribs playing volleyball. In in, I landed on my arm wrong. It just went crank, and I went, "Oh my god, are you serious?" I was like, it "Looks like I'll be gaining weight." <laughs> Sleepless nights. Now, can I can I ask you? Uh, I'm going to ask you a wrestling question, Sam. You can edit this if this is oh, a stupid question. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just seeing if I can, we got a response yet. I'm, I've got my phone right here. Because if she knows this is a, the type of thing. This is a perfect show for, oh. for this young Oh, this phone's have. dead. I just get my, right now a porn star's calling my wife. Oh, the, the phone in the house. Uh, let me get my wife real quick. <laughs> um, uh, this phone's dead. Son of a... Right now there's someone going, yeah, is Bert there? My wife's like, who's this? This is... Can you go? Yeah. Uh, guess it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Leanne. She just opened the garage door. Okay. And I have a big dog. I hope you're cool with dogs. Yes. Yeah, my dog's very sweet. Okay. Her name's Priscilla. This is really testing. Let's. Oh my god! What if my dog kills your girlfriend? Oh, she's um, my wife. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, hey. Okay. Here's the question. Here's the question. Please feel free to edit this if this is not. When you are on top of the cage in in that manner, and you you know that that falls coming, is that what you're thinking about the whole time? Well, that was. A, I mean, that was a specific. Um, <laughs> that, that specific instance was one. I would never, I would never knew again. And if I had been honest when I was asked during the day, if I had been up there and felt comfortable, uh, I lied and said, yes, I, I was, feel very comfortable. If I'd ever gone up on top of that cell during the day, this is June 1998, there would have been no, there would have been no fall off the cell because I never would have ventured up there. I got, I got up there live. First of all, I didn't realize how difficult it would be. To, oh, guess who's got a phone in her hand? Well, hello there. Hey, uh, this is my wife, Leanne. Hi, Leanne. How are you doing? Good. How are nice, you? nice to meet you. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much. I met you. I'm Sam. You? Nice to meet you. Leanne, do you, have, you, you know his career. Do you have any questions? I do know your career. Awesome. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, I am. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, and I said, your husband, this is the best thing. Uh, Bert and Jay, Jay Moore vouching for me. Uh, but Jay hadn't actually, he'd only seen a couple clips. And they were clips from, you know, a few years ago. Um, but for Bert to attend the show and be able to vouch that it's a good a good night out, whether you're a wrestling fan or not, is like, yes. And I, I'll be honest, like, I got home, it was like 3.30 in the morning, and and I knew we had to travel on to the next town. And I just said, I, I don't know if you even got that. I, I couldn't find the number. I was like, man, I'm just not going to be able to make it tomorrow. Like, I really needed that sleep. Fortunately, I, I woke up, it was like 8, 8.30, and I thought, Think of all the crummy morning interviews you've done. You know the towns you go to where you're, you know, you're you're doing man cow, <laughs> who's not a notoriously great great interviewer for the sake of selling tickets yeah. and or anything. I, I, yeah, 
and now I've got a chance to really be, and I understand that this is exactly what I should be doing. I'm in the, the best possible position. Well, it's the right, it's the right set of ears, I think, that, yeah. you, that you'd want to connect and with. And so I just, I call, called up my daughter, and I said, look, um, you know, can you come in here? M- M- Mickey's going to wake up. I don't want waking up and having nobody here. I said, but I, I really have to go and do this um, Interview. So well, I, t- I told you. I told you, Leanne. Last night we were watching uh, the Mankind thing, and, and Leanne was like, "Look at me." She's like, "I want to go watch him do stand up." And I was like, "No, we, someone's going to stay with the girls. I'm going." <laughs> do you have any questions you want to ask Leanne after watching his career? No, but I was really impressed by. I don't know what the what was the documentary called we were watching for all mankind. It was great. Yeah, it was thank great. you. You're an incredible person. From what I uh, saw in the documentary, it was blown away i didn't know about your charitable work until uh, i saw that i i, I, I appreciate thank you very much uh, i used to do more i hon- honestly did um and i can i mention this yeah please this is a group i used to do a lot of work yeah, sure with. i'll edit it out uh <laughs> <laughs> no but i was i worked last night I, I i mentioned that i've got a little campaign going called the laughing in the rain campaign rain is an a- um acronym um, for the nation's largest anti-sexual assault organization, Rape, Assault, uh, Abuse, Incest National Network. And I'm trying to raise money. I'm trying to raise $10,000 by the end of September because I can't participate in a hands-on way that I did. For two years, I was an online volunteer. And I don't do well. Uh, I, I, it's a good thing I never did touch a drug, you know, because I yeah. don't do well with moderation, uh, like whether it's wrestling whether it's writing, whether it's charitable work, I'm pretty much diving right in. Let me just see this. Hello? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I call you later? If your name's not Siri, I'm not interested in talking to you right now. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. There we go. Uh, and so, um, you know, I really, I, I, I wish that I'd been more like the tortoise and done the slow and steady and the the people at rain used to be you can't you, you know you can't take on that many hours and you can't get as emotionally ca- caught up as you get caught up in the stories and i likened it do you remember the movie the fighter yeah great movie right and there's that and they have a jim lamp it was not jim lampley the other guy who sounds like he hates every match he's ever called yeah. uh on hbo and he's saying, you know, he's saying this is a one-sided victory. Uh, Mickey Ward is just being dominated. Yeah. And then Ward literally throws one body shot, and the fight he drops the guys to his knees, and that's the way I felt. Like I felt, okay, I'm doing pretty good. I got my, you know, I'm talking to, about being an online uh, hotline volunteer. You know, I got my guard up. It's not affecting me too much. I can disassociate when I'm done. And all of a sudden, like one of these stories just came in, like, boom. And I started getting dropped to my knees pretty regularly, and I was having a you know I was having a really tough time dealing with all these stories that I would hear. I mean, these are people at their worst possible moment, and then I'm now find myself going on the hotline, and now I'm just hoping for quick interactions. Like I'm not there saying I'm going to be doing the better, very best I can do to to you know to help these people through the toughest time of their uh, of their life. And so I can't do it anymore. You know, I, I, I had to give that up. And I try to help out in other ways, you know, by spreading the word. Some people think it's odd, you know, that uh, that I'll, be, I'll, I'll befriend and talk openly about my friendships with adult film stars while being a uh, um, an advocate for an anti-sexual assault group. But I'll, I found that when I was doing an online campaign uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the question I brought to the 
the, uh, the their head of you know head of media. She brought the question to her. Uh, the president says Mick wants to know if his adult film friends can tweet because they all wanted to help me. Yeah. And the guy said, well, how many friends does Mick have? And she said, well, you know, three or four. And he goes, oh, three or four, that's not bad. And then she goes, no, three out of four, like 75% of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only people who actually befriend him. Yeah. And, uh, and then they thought about it, and they said, uh, you know what? You tell them to go ahead and tweet. It's and, a great way to uh, reach out to people. And uh, and they were so beneficial, like really helped. We raised a lot of money. And I think in the message I would give people is, look, you can wish that it wasn't here, but it's here. It's not going away. So yeah. you have to work towards a better understanding that, uh, you know, this is not, you know, these are not things you can do in real life. You know, that's not how you enter into a relationship by pulling down your pants and walking forward. Yeah. You know, um, but that was, I've been asked that before. How do you justify being a, an advocate for, for rain while having uh, friendships? And I said, it all, you know, eventually there needs to be a, a much better understanding and conversations need to take place. And I have taken Bert Show to a screeching halt here. No, <laughs> no I have a question, though, about rain. Yeah. So how do people donate since you're trying oh, yeah, to raise? Yeah, it's really easy. Well, the, my Laughing in the Rain campaign is really simple. It's just I sell my merchandise at my shows through September, and we're going to try to add that up to ten grand. But if anybody is interested in uh, uh, vo- donating, volunteering, or is in need of help, it's all the same place. It's rain, R-A-I-N-N dot org. And you can go there to donate, you know, just click on whatever you want. It's free and it's um, um, completely confidential as well. Nice. Yeah. Well, I got to put a chicken in a crock pot. So it's nice to meet you. So nice thank to meet you. Nice to meet you. Next time I'm in town, you'll be, you'll, you'll be there, right? I will. All right. Yes. Thank you. All right. See you, babe. Okay. Thanks, babe. Um, she, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, that was, Leanne was really kind of, she gets, she, it's so interesting. Like she was watching it last night. What impressed her was how you liked writing and how you did charitable work. I was like, what about his drop from the cage? <laughs> she was like, well, I just don't understand that. So back to the original question. Yeah. You got up to the top in the afternoon. I got up, no, I did not. You did if not. I had done that, and I was asked, you know, are you sure you're okay, you want- that you're comfortable? And I said, yes. Biggest lie, I, I do pride myself on a certain degree of honesty. If I had ever gone up there during the day, I never would have gone up there at night when I mean I I don't know if you could read my lips and like I said I'm not I'm going to drop an f bomb just for you Bert you know it's a special occasion uh <laughs> my thought when I got up there and I think I actually said it out loud when I got up there and I looked down I said you've got to fucking be kidding me the yeah. people and I'm glad Jericho mentioned in one of his books that he was thinking of doing it and he said he got up there and the people literally looked like ants below. And that's what I was like. I know I'm only 16 feet in the air. How in the world can everything look so small below? I mean, I was absolutely, absolutely terrified, you know. And then uh, had I gone up there, I never would have followed through. I was I was, I was terrified. And uh, and uh, But, it, you know, I'm fortunate things didn't turn out a lot worse than they did because the second fall through the cell was not something I was uh, counting on happening, and it could have, you know, could have killed me or paralyzed me. It, 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 you hadn't planned that? Not the one through it. Yeah, that gave way. Are you uh, kidding me? Yeah, it gave way, and uh, boom, just ching. Is there a point when you're sitting in the hospital thinking to yourself, I wonder if they loosen the link? Well, here's what, what happened is uh, the image I was looking for before I ever 
brought up the idea of being thrown off the cell to start the match. And this is Terry Funk's doing. We watched the first ever Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker where they just tore the house down. It was a great match. And remember, Shawn Michaels is a completely different wrestler than I am. And as a bad guy, he's far more agile, far easier to lift. You know, he can do a lot of things athletically that I can't. Climbing, for example, he's going to be much better at climbing than I am. And we he looked like Fat Albert running away from the cops. <laughs> Essentially, and uh, I watched that, and I said to Terry, "I said, Terry, what are we going to do?" And he just looked at me and says, "I think you should start the match on top of the cell." And we both laughed about it. He goes, "Imagine, oh, wouldn't that be something if you got thrown off and and then you climb back up on top of the cell?" Yeah. And he was laughing. And he stopped laughing, and I said, "I can do that." I can do that. But the big image I was looking for was actually the image of being almost like stuffed down a hole to where we thought the cage was going to tear just a little bit and uh, that he was going to be stuffing me. I'd be upside down. I'd be hanging my arms. And then when I actually dropped, I'd just rotate and fall onto my, you know, hands and knees. And it wouldn't be, it never thought it was dangerous at all. Yeah. If anything, I thought that he might have to choke slam me four or five times up there before the thing started to 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 loosen up. Yeah. But I think anytime you have somebody involved in doing, you know, something along the lines of props, he may. And the guy apologized to me for two straight years. Uh, um, I love the guy, <laughs> Richie, the Magic Man. He may have put a little bit too much magic in there, and so, <laughs> I, and then, and you know, and then when I went, I just remember that feeling of going through, like ding, like going through and then waking up and seeing those shoes in the ring. That was the realest fall I've ever seen. It's when you tried yeah. to stand up that first time. And couldn't, oh, couldn't do it. Yeah. That is that is the uh, the magic of what that business is. Yeah. Is that moment where you're like, whoa, I fell off a ladder that was six feet tall onto a mat. And I got to the top of that six foot tall ladder and I was like, this is way too high. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing this. I can't imagine 16 feet. So what you said, are you thinking like mathematically – 16 feet I can do, and then you get up there and you're like, this is what this 16 is feet looks like? Completely. That's why I say when people say it was 50, you know, you might as well go. It might as well have been 50 because it looked like 50. You know, yeah. I mean, it was just completely It ridiculous. did not look six, 16 feet. No, no. Because, you know, from my vantage point, you know, I'm a little over six. You've got, used to be quite a bit over six foot. Now I've shrunk considerably. But <laughs> still, my eye line is up there about, you know, almost 22, 22 feet off the ground. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous, just ridiculous. But I really did, uh, as I referred to that the, you know last night. You know when I was climbing back up that cell, I really did. It was going through my mind that okay, at least the worst part of your night is over. You know, and then yeah. that oh. didn't turn out to be the case. God, that yeah, that was one of those moments where I was like, that is insane. I would, uh, and I love that you talk about that in your stand up because it's you know I, I would even talk more about it. Like, but you tag it perfectly you close the thing about a great story is when you got your call back and you got your and you can end big you know like when you can end big that's when a story really hits and that story has it and i was like well i I appreciate i'm gonna take these tips that you gave me i'm gonna work it in towards the end (laughs) don't listen to me i'm not selling uh, out the hollywood improv on a tuesday Uh, no, I, man, I take this stuff. I, I'm like a sponge, you know, I, here's, I here's my short notes. This is it, I, okay. ideally, this is what I'd love to see more of as a, as a fan in the back. I want to, I want to hear you talk about Japan. I want to hear about being the salad days of wrestling and being young and, and, the, and the, in, I think the shock factor of what Japan brought to wrestling, when you see those grainy footages and you see just halogen bulbs over people's heads yeah, like yeah. that. 
that shock factor of what that is and what your perspective is as a 25-year-old kid doing that for the first time. And maybe if you can somehow mesh that in with your friendship with Terry Funk, because I think Terry Funk is a fascinating character. He reminds me of, of those old-school wrestlers I used to watch when I was a kid. Um, I would love to hear something about Japan. Because I, I, yeah, I, th- I don't yeah. think a lot of people know about it, and I think it's something that that really would pique the interest of of, of fans. Um, I'm gonna t- you know what? I'm taking these notes, and specifically, um, I know we've mentioned a Siri porn star a few times. Yeah, I I I was really flattered that she she came and that she enjoyed herself being a non fan. So I have a show in Corona, uh, which is less than an hour away. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do a, a new hour. I may I may have one story. I'll, I'll work on that Undertaker story. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the end. It's a great. It's a great story. I, I'm gonna try to come up with. Um, I love the. He's, uh, not a, he's not a kind of guy you give hugs to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and people, yeah, people get you know they get that almost yeah. everybody in the room know, know is aware of him, and even if they're not, uh, hopefully I paint a pretty you know accurate photo of how ominous this is, and you know when he bends down and he says, "Go home, Mike." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's the truth. I don't know any other night I would have just gone okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love the inner dialogue you have um, inside a ring. Oh, the, 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 the fact that you your risk assessment, I love that because you know it's it's um, getting to see behind the curtain. Because all I could think was that when I do stand up, and, and not to bring this back to me, but when I do, but that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> when I do stand up, I have I'm constantly talking to myself as, as I'm speaking. I'm thinking, what should I talk about next? What's that guy in the front row doing? How come that girl's on her phone? I'm having an inner dialogue. Where should I take this? Oh, I have an idea. And it was so fascinating to see that side of it. And I don't know if that's just an industry thing that I like to hear about, but like you're on the turnbuckle and you're like, you know, or, or he's saying like, go like the, I love that. I think that's why well, I appreciate it. And that comes, I think from the book, you know, from the book, uh, from writing the books and finding out that people find the world be, you know, behind the screen, behind the screen, or behind the curtain, just as fascinating, if not more fascinating, and the thought process of what was going on, especially in an extreme situation like that. I don't think that would hold truth for just every match, even a great match. You might not want to hear everything that's going through somebody's mind, um, but in a situation like that, where you know obviously things had gone, <laughs> had gone astray. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I found when I started including that a couple of uh, you know several weeks ago. That it really added something to uh, to the mix. So, like you see, yeah, you, you you go back to that cooking analogy we started with an, uh, an hour ago. You know, you've got this main dish, and you figure out how do I spice it? What do I take in? What do I leave out? Would it yeah. be better served with a side dish of this? Couple pun. I it, uh, Bert's idea, Sam, for me was since I'm not a punchline guy, mm-hmm. is to maybe in introducing the show, and I do need to explain at the top what I do because most people are not aware. Maybe go, don't expect punchlines. All right, I don't yeah. do jokes. I'm not. A st- I'm not going to sit up here in a coat and tie and be like, "Hey guys, you know it's time to quit wrestling." <laughs> when you know the doctor's first name, <laughs> bang bang. <laughs> so, and you so should try that. that runs through like five, like five of these things of yeah. things I'm not going. Is to anyone do. listening? I have one ear and I'm listening. Bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> completely hey, bastardized the you bang, know, bang don't you hate when you get a barbed wire baseball bat <laughs> bang bang, bang. <laughs> it, it, would be such a, it would be such a great like in my opinion as something I, if you had done that, I would have lost my shit in the back I would yeah. like, and people and are then, just looking around like 
what is going on? <laughs> what did we come to? Why is and then just completely make sure that that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's, I'm not doing that, not guys. Doing I will not that. be yeah. doing that. That's <laughs> what I won't be doing. Yeah. And do it for like five minutes. I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, well, you, uh, when I went to England, uh, there was an Al Snow joke competition. And so Can I tell you time, I don't know who Al Snow is? Al Snow is my comic foil. Okay. In, excellent wrestler. Very good. I mean, he actually was Dan Severn's trainer for the first few uh, uh, UFC fights. So he's a guy who, if he wanted to respond to my verbal jabs yeah. <laughs> with the real ones, could probably put me in my place <laughs> fairly quickly. But he's a good sport. He's been my you know my comic foil for, for 15 years. Um, and uh, what, why were we talking about him? What was... Uh, Oh, the jokes. Oh, yeah. so in England, they, they had an Al Snow joke writing contest. And then I literally got to go up there and read like my favorites. Yeah. And so the one that I like so much because it allows the audience to use this one. And I, I very rarely use this in, a, it, in a, the show, but it was because people got the punchline of the page story before I delivered it. And I said, I love that when an audience can fill in their own punchline. And I said, here's my favorite Al Snow joke. What's the difference between Al Snow and an anus? <laughs> one is a bum <laughs> I just messed up my own punchline so I shut up <laughs> bang bang <laughs> bang bang what's the difference you know Snow and Anus one is a ring in the bum and you give it about the five seconds yeah. and people go oh and, they, and about yeah. almost everyone gets it and then you see other people looking at other people who have gotten it and then they pretend to get it yeah. so yeah. they won't feel left out <laughs> But it was like little things like what is, you know, well, what is the difference between Al Snow and the 100 Years War, which they would be more familiar with in the UK. And it's at a certain point, the 100 Years War was over, <laughs> over being a wrestling term for popular, you know. And uh, I but, love those inside. I love those yeah. inside references that the, when what's great is it's like uh, it's like you get to be Bill Maher. <laughs> like you do you get to be bill maher because or not bill maher uh uh dennis dennis miller. dennis miller you get to be dennis miller because dennis miller would say the phrase that half the room got and the other half are like going clamoring right, to figure right, out what, what it, it was is. and then yeah. you'd pat yourself on the back when you did occasionally catch a reference you know? yeah you'd yeah. be like you're like i know what he, going over on someone i know what that means <laughs> like uh like yeah that's that's so great um okay do you want to have a wrestling question i don't know i mean this thing I, I'm. I was worried coming here that I feel like uh, this weekend. Yeah, Mick's gonna think I've just been following him everywhere he goes. I've like, thought that for years. <laughs> this is just another weekend in your stalking life. <laughs> it's, it's like I don't know. They have, WWE has been doing like all kinds of press this weekend, and I was just going to everything I could possibly go to to get interviews and stuff. Oh, the, yeah, they were doing a Q and A last night, and I had to walk out because I was like, I don't want to hear any of the questions because if it's a good question and everyone goes, ooh, then I'll ask it tomorrow. Right. So I was like, I'm gonna walk out and just go watch that blonde Aryan dude. What are you talking about Dolph Ziggler? Dolph yeah. Ziggler. <laughs> Love him. Just sit by the bar. <laughs> but like every every time he would turn around or he'd be on stage or something, I'd be like in the second row. It's like, hi, hi, Mick. Hey, I'm, Mick. I'm here That's too. Hi. Really to. Hey, how are you? It's hey, funny to see you in Bert's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, it's coming anyway, I swear. Now, is your son wrestling? No, no, he's not. He's uh, he's uh, involved in sports marketing. He's, uh, he's in final... Uh, semester in college he you know he just he, he he loved it growing up he still watches it still likes it but uh he's got a pretty good idea of what he wants to do my son my 12 year old wants to work behind the scenes was your you know? i think your 12 year old was sitting in front of me last night yeah yeah poor the long day for the kids you know and um and i'm just hoping i don't catch flack from my 10 year old he is really protective 
the uh, the story was um, oh when I was in I didn't tell this about the f bomb because I didn't want to tell this in front of him, but I'll sometimes explain. The reason I don't use it very often is because it's so effective for me yeah. in my personal life when it's used sparingly. And I remember an older Australian woman. Uh, I, I was seduced by a cougar before I realized they even existed. Yeah, And she uh, she was 39, claimed to be 39, appeared to be considerably older. And I was 23, and she just, like, whispered in my ears, just dropped that one F-bomb on me, you know. And then oh. she later said, like, she just wanted, didn't want to overdo it, just wanted to dangle it out there and see how I reacted and I was like I knew I was onto something that I would love the rest of my life you know <laughs> so I just do it sparingly and when I hear that word it's like oh, boom it's so wrong you know it's in my head it's so wrong so it feels so good and so I was uh I went over to Australia and I figured what could it hurt to look this woman up you know and uh like how is anybody possibly going to know I'm 12,000 miles away how could they know unless say I tweeted about it yeah in which case i call home to tell my kids that dad's going to be on raw being announced as the first inductee into the hall of fame not the induction but the announcement of the the induction and it's a pretty big deal you know i'm going to be out there the ring to myself and i call home and hey buddy how you doing mom knows you're looking for your old girlfriend (laughs) and i went oh i said listen buddy uh, you have to understand this was a long time it was like 25 years ago that woman would be 68 or 69 years old by now and I can hear him walk away and he comes back and he gets on the phone and he goes mom says that's just the way you like them <laughs> <laughs> listen I gotta run I have a uh, no 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 those other newspaper things no of course man that was a great way to close <laughs> out <laughs> Nick thank you right. so much for doing this what dates do you have coming up I'm gonna post this uh, tonight yeah uh, people go to realmickfoley.com and hit events uh, coming up I've got uh, Jackson Jacksonville, uh, Florida on the 25th of August, Buffalo on the 28th. You kind of piggyback on what is the wrestling on schedule, correct? what I correct? thought would be my wrestling schedule. Oh, okay. And, and then I didn't know that uh, a Saturday Morning Slam was taking a hiatus, so I've got to basically get myself to all these oh. all these shows. Uh, so I will. I do a lot of driving. I, I love it. I still, uh, I still love being on the road. And I hit um, Louisville on um, September th- 3rd or 4th, Nashville. A bunch of shows, but they go to realmcfoley.com. I returned to Southern California uh, the 21st and 22nd in San Diego, or 20th and 21st in San Diego, 22nd in Corona, where I will have a whole new show for you and your wife. Oh, Using fantastic. some of these, oh. uh, some of these <clears throat> methods that you have uh, handed down to me. Well, listen, don't take a lead from me. I'm, <laughs> I'm in Richmond this week. <laughs> <laughs> bang bang <laughs> bang bang <laughs> Nick thank you so much thank I appreciate Barbie. it thanks for the this episode was brought to you by The Machine